0: If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to uh, join me in Matthew chapter 8. Of course, the reading is going to be on the screen as well. It's not. Okay, our projector shut down. So we got the Bibles in our laps. All right, Matthew. Chapter 8, actually, it says in the, in the bulletins, we're going to start reading at verse 23, but I'm actually going to read verse 18 and then jump to verse 23. Matthew eight eighteen, And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Verse 23. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the bow was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? When he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men, coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come to torment us before the time? Now a good way off from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him saying, if you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, go. So, they, so when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled, and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from the region. What? What? As we've gone through Matthew's Gospel, what have we learned about Jesus? Matthew chapter 1. He is the descendant of Abraham, David. He is God the Son. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. He is true God of true God, as it says in the Nicene Creed, truly, correctly. He is true God of true God, true man of true man, joining, receiving his humanity from Mary, his Godhood, which has been his, he is from eternity. He is God, eternal God the Son, becoming one person, joined together, as it says in the Nicene Creed. True God of true God, true man of true man, joined together in one person. And Joseph, who was going to put her, put Mary away, he was going to quietly divorce. They had a legal contract at the county courthouse, their equivalent at county court. So he needed to do a legal thing to get her because even though they hadn't come together, they weren't yet fully married They hadn't come together. She's pregnant. Okay, well, I need to do the righteous thing and not put her under a pile of rocks. I'll just quietly, and an angel appeared to him in a dream and said, no, 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 no. That which she has conceived is of the Holy Spirit. You marry her, and you will call her son Jesus. Yahweh saves, for he will save his people from their sins. And so they do that. They go to Bethlehem. They move to Bethlehem. Jesus is born there. And about two years later, the Magi, chapter 2, the Magi come, the wise men. and We don't know how many there were. We think of three wise men. But no, it was three gifts they brought. It was probably a dozen or more. They show up in Jerusalem about two years later, and they're inquiring with the Jewish theologians you know, Actually, they talk to the king, Herod, Herod the Great. Where is he who is to be born king of the Jews? Wait a minute, I'm king of the Jews. What are you talking about? And so he quietly keeps them, se- them separate from the theologians. Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Well, it says in Micah 5, 2, 700 years before Jesus is born. O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you were small among all the villages of Judah, from out of you shall come forth the one to, to be ruler among my people, Messiah. Whose goings forth are from of old, even from everlasting. Oh, his true point of origin is not Bethlehem. His true point of origin is eternity. He's God. And so... Herod the Great told the Magi, keeping them separate from the Jewish religious leaders, uh, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And when you find him, let me know so that I can come and worship him, too. And so they leave Jerusalem and they follow the star. Which I suggested then was the Shekinah glory of God, the glory of his presence, because it hovers over It not only leaves them, it hovers over a particular house, and they went in and they presented the gifts and they worshiped him if jesus isn't god that's blasphemy but he is god and then they are warned by god in a dream and so they sneak out so that without telling herod what he wanted to know and then also joseph is warned by god they go to egypt So here's all this scenario. Then you have John the Baptist coming forth. And John the Baptist, when he baptizes Jesus, witnesses the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And here is a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus goes through the temptation in the wilderness, 40 days of fasting, water only for 40 days in the wilderness. And then Satan comes to him to test him. And he passes the test. And then he begins his public ministry. And he, at the close of Matthew chapter 4, he is calling Peter, Andrew, James, John. Other disciples are following him. And he is healing people from everywhere. From Syria. They are coming from everywhere. And he is healing every kind of disease. He's casting out demons. And then we have the Sermon on the Mount chapters 5, 6, and 7, and Jesus comes down off the mountain and cleanses the leper, heals the centurion's servant, heals Peter's mother-in-law. Then that night, once the sun has gone down, they bring to him more diseased people, more demon-possessed people, and he resolves every issue. And then he tells the disciples, okay, we're going to get in the boat and cross the sea. And It's really only a about a four-mile from where they are in Capernaum across the, the sea. It's only about a four-mile. You know, we say, and I mentioned this last week, we say the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's a small lake. <laughs> from the north bank to the south bank is about eight miles. To get to Gergesa, it's about a four-mile trip. And you're on the east side of the bank of the Sea of Galilee when you get there. But, of course, as we dealt with it last week, they encounter the storm. And these experienced fishermen know their lives are in jeopardy. They have been on this sea in this kind, and they know their lives. And Jesus is just asleep and they wake him up. And it's kind of strange because they're upset because he's just sleeping And they ask him to solve the problem. And then when he solves the problem, what is is the response? They are in shock. I don't know what they thought he was going to do, but what he did do shocked them. Jesus has rebuked them. Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. He didn't just begin to solve the problem, where the storm just kind of z- 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 settled down, you know, over the course of a few hours. No, he spoke. Storm gone, seas calm. These are experienced fishermen; they their lives have been spent on. That isn't how storms end. They don't just go away and you have calm sea. No, even if the storm is gone, the seas are in turmoil for a lengthy time until eventually they calmed down. And Jesus brought calmness. Now, who can this be? Now, folks, I mean, we can look back with 2020 hindsight almost 2,000 years later and say, what dim bulbs these guys are. Oh, come on. Haven't you figured out? You know, put yourself in their place. Who are you? Who am I? That God the Son becomes flesh and hangs out with you. He's called you to minister beside him. Honestly, no. I mean, I can see God picking somebody else But I know me, and I wouldn't pick me. (laughs) But he picks, and they're the same. Okay, yeah, I'm a pretty loyal Jew, but that God would pick me? Even though you see all this evidence, you see everything he's doing, you see him healing All these people, you see him cleansing lepers, you see him doing all these things, and you've got this at your own request, the sea is calmed and the storm is gone, and you're, who is this that has chosen me to be with him? Now, if it's a hundred year old story that somebody tells you that, you know, hey, or a Four, 600 year old story that has to do with Elijah. Oh, you can believe that. But when it happens in front of your eyes, who is this? And it's not necessarily because you can't get your mind wrapped around who he is, but that he's chosen me to be as, an associate. But he has. And ladies and gentlemen, that's not just a struggle that they have. It is the struggle that we have. I can understand God showing up in all of his strength. For Benito. <laughs> or DJ. But the mighty unrestrained in all of who he is, God, hanging out with me when I know what. Mercy. Mercy. Mercy, mercy, grace, grace, grace. I, God, am the one who qualifies you for this intimate relationship with me. Yes, indeed, I've called you to be with me. And be my disciple, my follower, the one, the instrument that I will use to bring praise to me and deliverance to others as you share the truth and walk by faith. Honestly, folks, that's a gigantic gift that God has given us, and we have a h- such a hard time getting our minds wrapped up. Part of it is we don't even think our way through. That, thing, that whole expectation and that whole scene. We just assume it's, it's for somebody, not me. No, it's for me. There's an, a hymn or I don't know. Every promise of the book is mine. I don't have a problem believing God's promises for other people. I have a problem believing them for me. But that is because Lucifer is the liar who tells me I'm not qualified. He's the accuser of the brethren. Jesus is the qualifier of the brethren. He's the qualifier of the brethren. He's the welcomer of the brethren. He created the welcome for us. And so these men are having this very difficult time. And now they get to the destination. And as we've read this, what do we see? We Jesus here. Jesus steps out of them. And there is a problem there on that part of the shore of the, sea of, the Gal- of the Sea of Galilee that the residents there cannot solve. We know this this episode is found in not only Matthew, also Mark and also Luke. And in the other gospel accounts, these they had actually bound these men with chains And they've broken the chains. They are possessed by demons. What is a demon anyways? The Greek word, we anglicize a Greek word. The Greek word is daimon. And we anglicize it and tangle it up and turn it into the word demon. Please cleanse from your brain any thoughts of a little imp. Okay? The word demon means a divine being. They are fallen angels. They are among those angels. They are out of that number of angels. We don't know the number. We know the percent. One-third of the angels joined Lucifer in his rebellion against God. That's detailed. The greatest detail is, you can look it up yourself, is Ezekiel 28, where he is described as the king of Tyre. It starts out in Ezekiel 28, a paragraph about the prince of Tyre, addressing this fellow, the prince of Tyre. That's the highest human office in the city of Tyre It was the prince. And then it talks about this king of Tyre. Why? He's the power behind the throne. He's the invisible ruler. And it's actually a description of Lucifer before his fall. As he is the anointed cherub, he is the head of the angelic administration in heaven. He is the top banana among the angels, and he is lifted up by his pride, and he rebels against God. He demands the worship that is only belongs to God, and he is cast out of heaven. And one third of the angels join him in his rebellion. Where do we get that number from? Revelation chapter twenty, re, chapter twelve. One third of the angels. Those fallen angels are the demons. They're the divine beings. The 300 million pl- plus or minus gods and goddesses of Hinduism are demons. They're fallen angels. You go throughout Africa, you go throughout Asia, you go throughout Latin America, you go out there, and you talk to people that, that live there, that are knaves there about this. Oh, yeah, got, yeah. It's only in Western Europe and where we've educated ourselves into stupidity. <laughs> In the part of the Western world where actually Lucifer has gone into hiding here. Now he's totally active. He just does things in a more covert way in our culture. But we are just as surrounded by their activity as any others. And here are these two men. Jesus steps out and they are a problem that the people in that region can't solve. Nobody can go through there without being attacked by these demon-possessed maniacs. They've got an unsolvable problem. Jesus steps out of the boat, and the demons are cowering. Have you come to torment us before the time? We know what awaits us. We're told in Matthew 25, we're going to get there as we continue. Matthew 25, the judgment of the nations following the second coming of Christ. He consigns those who are rebellious against him to the lake of fire, which was created not for the human race, but was created for the devil and his angels. Any human being that ends up in the lake of fire is there because they rejected God's mercy. So they've chosen to stand shoulder to shoulder with Lucifer. Well, I don't think that's fair. Well, that's the reality of the creation you live in. Get over it and you better respond to that reality. All you need to do to escape the judgment that you righteously will experience. You want to escape that judgment? All you need to do is hold out an empty hand and say, Jesus, I want the benefit of what you did for me on the cross. You paid sin's penalty for me. I want that benefit. Cheers forever. Problem solved forever. That's it. He has made the difference that gets us out of the lake of fire into his welcome presence. And the lake of fire was created for the devil and his angels. And these demons know it. They know it. And so as Jesus steps out, they run up. These two men who are possessed by these demons, they run up and they start screaming out, begging for mercy. They didn't ask anybody else for mercy before. But they're asking Jesus, have you come to torment us before the time? Notice how they say it. What have we to do with you, Jesus? Jesus, so far as we know, has never been there. But they know who he is. Jesus, you son of God. In that culture, if you say someone is the son of something, you're saying they have the full reality of What they are the son of. You are the son of God. He is the heir. He is not only God the son. That is who he is in all of his deity. The son of God means he is the heir of everything. Everything is going to come into his hands. And what does he say to us when we get to the last chapter of Matthew? He's going to say following his resurrection all of power all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me he stepped into the fullness of his inheritance and they know who he is you son of god have you come to tor- here to torment us before the time now a good way off from them there was a herd of many swine feeding mark chapter 5 tells us about 2000 Hogs. So the demons begged him saying, if you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently (coughs) down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled, and they went into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. So the people that are going to come out know what happened. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, what? What? They begged him to depart from their region. He just solved a problem they had tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried, and tried to solve, and they couldn't solve, he solved it. Now it cost him about two thousand pigs. Why do they entreat him, please leave, don't don't sit here. For exactly the same reason that so many people that I've shared the gospel with or you may have shared the gospel with said, oh, please, no, goodbye. I don't want to hear that. I remember DJ and I, is about a year and a half ago, we both went over to Walmart and we're starting, I mean, they let us, after about six minutes, Walmart uh, people came out and said, you, gotta, you, can't, you can't do this, you can't do this, you're messing with our customers. I followed this person who was getting to a pickup truck. They had already come out with all their stuff. They'd it and I tried to hand her a Gospel of John. We've got a whole box full back here of these life books, Gospels of John from the Gideons. I tried to. <gasps> I mean, you would have thought I'd handed her a. I was trying to hand her a cup of poison. Here, would you like to have this Gospel of John? It will show... (gasps) No! 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 Folks, that only makes sense if she's walking in delusion. She thinks that the life choices she has made are the life choices that she should be walking in. God is offering, was offering her the possibility of opening a door to her deliverance. And by the way, she knew that. That's why she reacted that way. She didn't want to be delivered from her addiction. What did we pray just a few minutes ago for? For people with addictions. This woman had an addiction. (gasps) I'm serious. It was as if I'd offered her poison. Why are they reacting this way? Because they know intuitively what the real God is like. They know He's holy. They know that if the holy God shows up and demands that I conform to Him, I'm going to have to forfeit, I'm going to have to give up all of this stuff. This stuff that I enjoy, I will have to give up the control of my life. Well, yes, that's true. You'll have to give up the control of your life. But you know what he will do? He will walk you into a mansion. He will walk you into a relationship with him where he carries, where he will shepherd you so as to bring goodness, wisdom, blessing, protection, all of the things that we prayed about earlier that are the names of God, all of those will become the environment you're walking in instead of the environment you've been in. Part of their, their environment had been these two demon possessed men that they couldn't solve. The problem solving God will say, st- oh, but I don't want, I don't think that's a problem. These things that I'm doing, they're not, pro- that's not, no, please go away. And so on the one hand, we see this. How in the world can these people respond this way with all logic? They can't with all logic, but they don't want logic. They want their own will. They want their own way. And so while at the initial, our initial response reading this passage, this makes no sense. He just solved a problem they had that couldn't be solved. And they want him to leave. Why wouldn't they welcome him to step in and bestow even greater deliverance and blessing and protection upon them? Because they're willful sinners who want to continue in their sin. Now, it's not here in Matthew's gospel. And I've checked. In Mark and in Luke, one of the things that's really cool, because it's all three of those gospels have this deliverance mark and Luke both add that the demon-possessed men want to go with Jesus and he says no you stay here and you go tell the other people about your deliverance and it's later it may be a year or two later that they come back to that area. And just south of that area where this episode took place is the area called Decapolis, the place the place of meaning 10 cities. It's principally a Gentile area, that though, though there are some Jews there. It's on the east side of Jordan, which is outside of geographic Israel. They will go there about a year or two later, Jesus and his disciples, and the people will come from everywhere. That's in Mark and in Luke. Why? Because the delivered men went and told of their deliverance. And they created, um, this is a logical conclusion we're drawing. All we know is he sent them, and then later when Jesus and the disciples return, all of a sudden the same people that said, please go away, are flocking to him. Because God, the Holy Spirit, gave them eyes to see and a desire. But what we see here is fully reflective of our own experience. If you've gone out and attempted to share the gospel with people, you absolutely, there are some people that will jump at it and you are bringing them the message they want to hear. They know they've needed But there will be others who will absolutely slam the door in your face. And it is just exactly what we're seeing here. And it isn't because they don't understand. Let me make this clear. It's not because they don't understand. It's because they do understand and they don't want to give up their own control. That's the problem. But Jesus is the bondage breaker for everyone, just as he was for these two men. So be persistent (laughs) in sharing the gospel. Jesus sent the two delivered men back. They shared the reality of their deliverance and created a hunger. God used that to create a hunger that was later satisfied as Jesus and the disciples returned a year or two later any comments or questions about this Mike Okay. Yesterday I shared it with this guy. He says, Yeah, Craig Craig's my boss. Craig told me the first time I seen him since I've been back. It was a customer. First time I seen him since I've been back. Craig told me what happened, are you all right? Why are you back to work? So I'm still doing it. I gave my testimony to him. He thanked me for sharing it with him. God used your boss to create well, I know, but I mean, you told your, your boss was aware of it, told him, and then so when you said it, he was w- ready to hear it. I had a right, right. But I mean, the uh, this, this stage was set for you. Right. Exactly. Bob? You think maybe also what might have contributed to their asking him to leave? They just saw much of their livelihood. Oh. <laughs> Yes, exactly. They had. It had cost them something to solve this unsolvable problem. Let me ask you a question. If you have an unsolvable problem, very often God asks us to sacrifice something. Now, of course, there's the fact that these are hogs. These are pigs. Now, they're not in Israel. So they're not necessarily, it's not necessarily unrighteous for them to have them. But yeah, it costs them something to get that unsolvable problem solved. When we, as followers of Jesus, have an addiction or some other issue in our lives, will it cost us something to become a follower of Jesus? Of course. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Ouch! Ouch! holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You want me to sacrifice myself? My own life plans, God? Yeah. But I will more than make up for it. I will more than make up for it. That's exactly right. Let's go to our Lord, our Father. Uh, What we see represented here by the, the people here in this region it's not surprising. Would that it would. Would that it were an exception. It's not. We are repeating our prayer from earlier for all the people that are addicted to whatever it is, who are bound by a worldview. Not only the misuse of chemicals, whether they be injected or swallowed. But, Lord, addictions of a worldview, controlling our own lives. We ask that you would break the hold of those addictions on us, that we might be authentic followers of you and step into the mighty deliverance and blessing that comes only from you. We are asking that this week we would each be alert to the opportunity to tell the truth about what you, Jesus, have done on the cross to someone else that they might be embraced by your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness as well and begin the process of full deliverance. We ask this of you, Good Shepherd Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand just close by singing the chorus of Jesus.